Welcome to Beyond Our Focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Plaver About Wizard and Glass. We are in the third part of the book, Chapter 5, titled Wizard's Rainbow. Oh, it's also the fourth novel in the Stephen King Dark Tower saga. Now that I think about it, like going, like reading this chapter and then going back and looking at this picture, I have a feeling that this is actually correct. Yours is actually in the, in the right spot. Because I'm thinking this is actually his mom. I mean, it, that's, it seems like that could be possible. And my mine's just Which really, mine is really still early. partly in the next chapter. Oh. But it's closer yes. to maybe what that actually is. Especially, well, the thing is that it could be either or, and they could have just really misdone her. But I don't know. Because in both instances, the three of them were there, and she was up there. So it could be either or, or both. <laughs> I don't know. Because it's like, mine's right here. Mine's on page like 400, and it's on 439. The incident with... Incident with yeah, Last. mine's on 450, and I don't know where the answer is. It's somewhere in, like, the 440 somewhere. Yeah, it's 430 and 439, yeah. So, mine's 50. Here's 401. Why do I care, Twitter? <laughs> no one cares! Sorry, Twitter decided to, that it was very important that it notify me that... PewDiePie retracted his donation to an anti-Jewish group. I don't, okay. I don't know. I don't know. You now know. Apparently, Twitter. Because that was really important in my Very life. Very important. Notification and everything. Anyway. And see, those would be the notifications you're getting in your eyeballs. Same. I mean, I, turn, I generally try to turn all notifications off, period. Which reminds me, I should turn, I gotta turn some, some of them back on again. Can I turn... The PAX ones, while oh, PAX okay. West was going on, I turn them off because there's like a thousand. Yeah. But any other time, I need to know when tickets go on sale and everything uh, else. So, uh, which I think they're two different accounts now, so it may not affect me, but I'm still turning it back on when I remember to do that. You know how it, well, prior to this recording, we were talking about technology entering your face. <laughs> yeah. Um... I was just thinking of the vibrate setting and how weird that would be if they actually just implemented that still. Like, we really... This notification is too important for the just the ding to happen. We need to vibrate your entire eyeball. I mean, at this point, it could just be a sound. It could be anything. It's implanted. That's what I'm saying. It's like they're saying It wouldn't saying have to be a vibration. It wouldn't have <laughs> to be. Notification is too damn important. They're just too weird, okay? Hey, I'm, I'm all in. Um, I don't Cybernetic know. parts. I'm all in. Turn me Things robot. that people can hack into inside your face. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I could deal more with fun. that. More fun. More fun. Virus pop-ups. Sounds like a fun Saturday night. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> don't look at her. Look at her. I'm a chapter behind because I went back to that picture. On an afternoon three days after Roland and Cuthbert visit the Coos, Roy Pape and Clay Reynolds walk along the upstairs hallway of the Traveler's Rest to a specific bedroom Coral Thorn kept there. Thorn kept there. Clay knocked. Jonas called for them to come in. It was open. <laughs> That's all it took, huh? I told you. That's all it I took. I told you. <laughs> you looked at me, it must mean you wanted to pet me. There was no other explanation. It couldn't have been anything else. You gandered into my direction. That's all it took. All right. Aspen is making her guest star appearance. Yeah, I know. I know. Life's hard, pup. You're cute. We understand. So, pretty much what we now can establish just from this one paragraph is that that one little moment, one all-night moment, between Jonas and Coral has now... It's officially become a thing. Oh, yeah. They are no. now an item, and he's pretty much just taken up residency. 
in her little house thing above the bar. Mm-hmm. They're there to discuss things. And the Pape, I believe it's the Pape, or Reynolds is not particularly thrilled about her being there as well. Problem? Jonas was standing in the doorway of the bathroom, wiping shaving soap from his face with the end of a towel laid over his shoulder. He was bare to the waist. The pape had seen him this way plenty of times, but the old white crisscrossing of scars along always along of scars always made him feel a little sick to his stomach. Well, I knew we was using the lady's room. I didn't know we were I didn't know the lady came with it. She does, Jonas tossed the towel into the bed. Room crossed the bed and took his shirt from where it hung on the footsteps. Beyond him, Cor glanced up, gave his naked back a single greedy look, then went back to her work once more. Jonas slipped into a shirt. How are things at Sitco, Clay? Quiet. But they'll, they'll get noisy if some young vagabonds poke their nosy noses in. How many are out there? How do they set? Ten in the days, a dozen at night. Roy and, Roy and I are out once every shift. But like I said, it's been quiet. <laughs> Not much happening there. Still waiting, trying to ambush the boys. Yeah. It says, he'd hoped to draw the boys out to Sitgo before now, just as he'd hoped to draw them into confrontation by vandalizing their place and killing their pigeons. Yet so far, they still hid beyond, behind their damned hillock. He felt like a man in a field with three young bulls. He's got a red rag. This would be Tororo? <laughs> and he's flapping it for all he's worth. And still the Toros refuse to charge. Why? So yes, he was hoping that he would kind of just get the boy so wild and riled up that they would just storm after him and come to kill well, him. Which Cuthbert was, was. If it was up to Cuthbert, it's exactly what they would have done. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yes. Yeah. Like clockwork, Reynolds said, four tankers at night, in pairs. The last four nights, uh, Renfrey in charge, him of the lazy Susan. Do you still want to leave half a dozen as bait? Yar, Jonas said. And there was a knock at the door. The pape jumped. Is that? No, Jonas said. Our friend in the black robe has decamped. Perhaps he goes to offer comfort to the good man's troops before battle. The pape barked laughter at that. Uh, by the window, the woman in the nightgown looked down at her knitting and said nothing. It's open, Jonas said. The man who stepped in was wearing a sombrero, a serape, and... There's so many just... Come on, can we just... Sandalias, I don't know. Of the former... Or whatever. <laughs> but the face was pale, and the lock of hair peeked behind, out from behind the sombrero's brim was blonde. It was Latigo. The one they originally were waiting for yes. to begin with. Not the man in black. The one they had hoped for and didn't get. Yeah. Really, really hoped for and didn't get. Huh. A hard man and no mistake, but a great improvement over the laughing man in the black robe. Just the same. Good to see you, gentlemen, he said. Come in and closing the door. His face, dour, frowning, was that of a man who hasn't seen anything good in years. Maybe since birth. Jonas, are you well? Do things march? I am, and they do, Jonas said. Things are going well. I think everything's going well except those darn kids. If it wasn't for those meddling kids and that dog. That, that rook skull. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's no dog that I'm aware of. And those darn pigeons. And those darn pigeons. So, yeah, so he pretty much just. Latigo's there to make sure everything's going smoothly, but also to bring up the concern that these kids have suddenly shown up. Like, originally they were just kids, and now they've become an issue, and Latigo now has to bring that information to Farson and is not happy about it. Latigo gave him a sharp glance and returned attention to Jones. Most of my party is camped 30 wheels from here, in the forest west of Eyebolt Canyon. What is that wretched noise outside the canyon? By the way, it frightens the horses. A thinny, Jonas said. It scares the men, too. If they get too close, Reynolds said, best to stay away, Cap'n. How many are you, Jonas asked. A hundred, and well-armed. 
So it's said we're Lord Perth's men. Don't be an ass. <laughs> Have they seen any fighting? Enough to know what it is, Latigo said. And Jonas knew he was lying. Forsen has kept his veterans in their mountain bolt holes. Here was a little expeditionary force where no doubt only the surgeons were able to do more than their... Okay. There are a dozen at Hanging Rock guarding the tankers your men have brought so far, Latigo said. More than needed, likely. I didn't risk coming this... Are coming into the godforsaken crap of a town in order to discuss my arrangements with you, Jonas. Cry your pardon, Sigh. Jonas replied. But, whatever that word is. Perfunctorily? Sure. Whatever that means. I don't remember. Mm. He sat in the floor next to Coral, rocking and rolling. Rocking and rolling, huh? That's what normal <laughs> people do. Coral's rocker and began to roll a smoke of his own. <laughs> what are we even reading today? Fascination. And then blah, blah, blah. the elder didn't. Know. The pape didn't know what there was about her that Eldred found so fascinating. When he himself looked at her, he saw nothing but an ugly woman, big nose, and mosquito bumps. <laughs> yeah, well, she's a wonderful woman. As to the three young men, Latigo said, with his air, with the air of a fellow going directly to the heart of the matter, the good man was extremely disrupted to learn that there were visitors from Inworld the Magus. And now you tell me they aren't what they claim to be? So, just what are they? That's a good question. Uh, Jonas brushed Curl's hand away from his hair, and though it were a troublesome insect, Undisturbed, she returned to her knitting. They're not young men, but mere boys. And if they're coming, here is Ka, about which I know Farson concerns himself deeply, then I may be our Ka rather than the affiliations. Then it may be our Ka rather than the affiliations. Unfortunately, we'll have to, to forego enlightening the good man with your the theological conclusions, Tico said. We've brought radios, but they're either I just it would just, I, radios. It's like radios, really? They brought radios. I'm not used to that. Anyway, they brought radios, but they're either broken or can't work at this distance. No one knows which. I hate all such toys. Anyway, the gods laugh at them. We're in our own, my friend, for good or ill. <laughs> it's like. When we've lived in this deep western time for so long, where paper is like, oh my goodness, and then someone says radios, oh nonchalant, and you're like, wait, y'all have radios? <laughs> Can y'all have radios? Do, do you know what a radio is? <laughs> exactly, that's kind of where we are. Here. <laughs> we we forgot that this is now taking place after the entire world has already done its yeah, cycle but still, of technology. <laughs> I haven't heard anyone mention using radios to communicate back and forth. They usually come up with some weird name for them, or just like the spark lights, and... I just, just I don't remember reading this before. I guess I just skipped over <laughs> the word or whatever, but it's just, it caught me off guard. Uh, no need for forcing to worry unnecessarily, Jonas said. The good man wants these last treated, treated as a threat to his plans. I expect Walter told you the same thing. I and I haven't forgotten a word. Cy Walter is an unforgettable sort of man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Latigo agreed. He's a good man's underliner. The chief reason he came to you was to underline these boys. And so he did, Roy. So he did. Roy, tell Cy Latigo about your visit to the sheriff's day. The sheriff's day before yesterday. The pape cleared his throat nervously. The sheriff? Avery? I know him. Fat as a pig in full earth he is, Latico said. Go on. One of Avery's deputies carried a message to the three boys as they counted horses on the drop. What message? Stay out of the town on reaping day. Stay off the drop on reaping day. Best to stay close to your quarters on reaping day. As barony folk don't enjoy seeing outlanders, even those they like, when they keep their festivals. How'd they take it? They agreed straight away to keep themselves on reaping, the pape said. That's been their habit all along, to just be agreeable as pie. 
when something was asked of them. They know better. Of course they do. There's no more a custom here against outlanders and reaping than there is in any place else. In fact, it's quite usual to make strangers as part of the merry-making, as I'm sure the boys know. The idea is to make them believe we planned the move on fair day itself. Yes. Uh, yes, Latigo finished impatiently. What I want to know is, are they convinced? Can you take them on the day before reaping, as you've promised, or will they be waiting? <sighs> we'll take them easy as birds on the ground, Jonas said. Treason, the charge. Three young men, all highborn, in the pay of John Farson. Shocking stuff. What could be more in indicative of the evil days we live in? One cry of treason, and the mob appears. Jonas favored Latigo with a wintry smile. As a concept, treason might be a bit of a reach for the common folk, even when the mob's drunk and the corps has been bought and paid for by the Horsemen's Association. Murder, though, especially that of a much-loved mayor. DePape's startled eyes flew to the mayor's sister. What a pity it will be, that lady said inside. I may be moved to lead the rabble myself. To Pape thought he finally understood Eldred's attraction. Here was a woman every bit as cold-blooded as Jonas himself. One other matter, Latigo said. A piece of the good man's property was sent with you for safekeeping. A certain glass ball? Jonas nodded. Yes, indeed. A pretty trifle. I understand you left it with the local bruja? Yes. You should take it back. Soon. Don't teach your grandpa to suck eggs, Jonas said a bit testily. I'm waiting until the brats are jugged. Reynolds murmured curiously. Have you seen it yourself, Silatigo? Not close up, but I've seen, seen men who have. One such ran mad and had to be shot. The only other time I saw anyone in such condition was thirty years ago, on the edge of the big desert. T'was a hut dweller who'd been bitten by a rabid coyote. Bless the turtle, Reynolds, Reynolds muttered and tapped his throat three times. He was terrified of rabies. You won't bless anything if the wizard's rainbow gets a hold of you, Latigo said grimly, and swung his attention back to Jonas. You'll want to be even more careful taking it back than you are in giving it over. The old witch woman's likely under its glam by now. I intend to send Rhymer and Avery. Avery ain't much of a shake, but Rhymer's a trig boy. I'm afraid that won't do, Latigo said. Won't it? Jonas said. His hand tightened on Coral's leg, and he smiled unpleasantly at Latigo. Perhaps you could tell your humble servant why it won't do. It was Coral who answered. Because, she said, when the piece of the wizard's rainbow Rhea holds is taken back into custody, the Chancellor will be busy accompanying my brother to his final resting place. What's she talking about, Eldred? the pape asked. That rhymer dies, too, Jonah said. He began to grin, another foul crime to lay at the feet of John Farson's filthy spy boys. Coral smiled in sweet agreement, put her hands over Jonas's, moved it higher on her thigh, and then picked up her knitting again. Kill everybody and blame it all on the boys. That seems pretty much get rid of anybody in the town that's annoying or at any point in time may have thoughts of their own. Or get in the way and just off them. Blame it all on the boys. Mm -hmm. Hi. Can you come lay down? And then we have this that I was a little confused when I start first trying to read yeah, it. Yeah, I... Like, what the... What is this? I understood it. Yeah, like, at first when it was... It says, um, the girl, although young, was married. I was like, what? And then the boy, although fair, was unstable. I was like, Susan's not married, though. And then, yeah. I got it afterwards. It's just a fairy, just a tale. Just a old wife tell fairy tale, whatever you want Pretty to call Pretty much, it. it's girl, boy, meeting in secret. They decide to call... The girl decides to call it off. Boy's unhappy. Boy kills her. And then in his grief, kills, kills himself. himself. So we have a Romeo and Juliet situation kind yes. of thing. Except Romeo in... didn't kill her. She, But yeah. yeah. It's yeah. close enough. And it happened in the graveyard. So people were scared of the graveyard. Because yes. it's haunted and blah, blah, blah. That's all that. That was the whole thing there. Yeah. So 
because it happened in the graveyard and no one gets goes there because of the suspicion, they figure this is the best place to meet. And by they, it's, of course, Roland, Cuthbert, Elaine, and now Susan. Yep. Mm. Uh, it was thus seldom visited at night and was the logical spot for Roland, <laughs> Cuthbert, Elaine, and Susan to meet. By the time the meeting took place, Roland had begun to feel increasingly worried, even desperate. Susan was the problem, or more properly put, Susan's aunt. Even without Rhea's poisonous letter to help the process along, Cordelia's suspicions of Susan and Roland had hardened into a near certainty. On a day less than a week before the meeting in the cemetery, Cordelia had begun shrieking at Susan almost as soon as she stepped through the house door with her basket over her arm. Yeah, and I don't have any notes for like three pages. Yeah. It's just about how insanely suspicious Cordelia is. With nothing other than that, that original wave. Yes. That's all she has to go off of. But she is convinced that Susan at all times. Yes, so she shows up covered in paint and... Her aunt immediately goes at her, says he, she's been with Roland or Wheel Dearborn all day, that the green on her pants is grass, and it literally takes Susan to take her aunt's hand, put it on her pants, and then have her smell her own hand to realize that it's paint, and then it's like, ah, like, likely story this time. Because she, of course, blames Thorin. Thorin getting all fondly on her. Because that's what Thorin does. So, yeah, it's just Cordelia just being more Cordelia. Going literally insane at the idea that they may lose things or not get what they were promised from whoring out Susan. And to top it off, not only is Cordelia... Not only is Cordelia to the point where she's paranoid, but she's having people follow Susan or just... Watch her. Keep an eye on her. Like, from the corner of her eye, Susan can see people just staring a little too long at her. Like, oh, if I do anything right now, Cordelia's going to find out. And this caused them to miss, like, three different meetings. Because every time she went to go set up a meeting spot or say, I'm going to meet you, someone showed up. And she's like, nope, I can't do this. Sorry, guys. So eventually, they ended up getting... One of the maids from Thorne's house yeah, to send the, a letter for Susan to convince Cordelia. Yeah, Maria, her her main friend, like her one friend maid that she has that's always helping her or talking to her. She's a useless, friend. pointless, no-named maid we've never heard of before in any book. Kaiju. One that doesn't work here. <laughs> that spell doesn't work here. And two... Uh. She does have a name. She has been in this book. You give her the respect. Anyways, so Maria comes up with this idea that she's staying. Susan is staying at the 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 mayor's house because it's too late for her to go back, and she's tired and she needs to rest. And meanwhile, Susan climbs out the window. The next thing I have is finally actually starting to get back a little bit to this. Uh, it's just Susan took a tentative step forward, not laughing now. There were still dimples at the corners of her lips, but her eyes were anxious. I hope you don't hate me, she said. I'd understand if you did. I've come into your plans and between the three of you as well, but I couldn't help it. Her hands were still out at her sides. Now she raised them to Elaine and Cuthbert, palms up. I love him. We don't hate you, Elaine said. Do we, Bert? For a terrible moment, Cuthbert was silent. <laughs> Looking over Susan's shoulder, seemingly to study the waxing demon moon, she felt her heart stop. Then the gaze returned to her, or then his gaze returned to her, and he gave her a smile of sweetness that confused but brilliant thought. That it confused a brilliant thought. If I'd met this one first, it began. Shot through her mind like a comet. Roland's love is my love, Cuthbert said. He reached out, took her hand, and drew her forward. So she took, stood between them, between him and Elaine, like a sister with her two brothers. 
Okay. <laughs> well, I if there's anything oh, worth says, it. For we have been friends since we wore cradle clothes and will continue as friends until one of us leaves the path and enters the clearing. Mayhap we'll all find the end of the path together the way things are going. And soon, Elaine added, just so long, Susan Delgado finished, as my Aunt Cordelia doesn't come along as our chaperone. Yes, because they want to walk into the clearing with the aunts. I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> but no, but I thought that was an important line because it's like, in our last ch- chapter, Cuthbert and Roland literally got into it. Like, Cuthbert threw a punch. I don't think Roland ever hit him back. No. No. So it's like, and so Cuthbert, even though by the end of that, they still told each other that they loved each other, that they're always going to be friends. He's confirming it now in front of all three of them that they knew each other for forever and they're going to continue to be friends no matter what until they die. So, um... Shut your face. <laughs> I'd say so. Shut your face. Um, but yes, yeah, so they decide to go into a mausoleum and have their little palaver. We are quartet, Roland said. We are one for many. <laughs> His original quartet. Yes. It says, we're greater than we were, Elaine said. I feel that very strongly. I do too, Cuthbert said. He looked around. And a fine meeting place as well, especially for such a quartet as ours. Yeah. Let's talk about what's going on in Hambry, and then we'll talk about the immediate future. We weren't sent here on a mission, you know, Elaine said to Susan. We were sent by our fathers to get us out of the way, that's all. Roland excited the enmity of a man who is likely a cohort of John Farson's excited the enmity of cuthbert said that's a good phrase round i intend to remember it and use it at every opportunity control yourself roland said i've no desire to be here all night cry your pardon no great one cuthbert said but his eyes danced in a decidedly unrepentant way we came with carrier pigeons for the sending and receiving of messages elaine went on but i think the pigeons were laid on so our parents could be sure we were all right Yes, Cuthbert said. What Elaine's trying to say is that we've been caught by surprise. Roland and I have had disagreements about how to go on. He wanted to wait. I didn't. I now believe he was right. But for the wrong reasons, Roland said in a dry tone. In any case, we've settled our differences. Susan was looking back and forth between them with something like alarm. What her gaze settled upon was the bruise on Roland's lower left jaw clearly visible even in the faint light which crept through the half-open word (laughs) door. Settled them how? It doesn't matter, Roland said. Farson intends a battle, or perhaps a series of them, in the Shavid Mountains to the northwest of Gilead. To the forces of the affiliation moving toward him, he will seem trapped. In In a more ordinary course of things, that might even have been true. Farson intends to gauge them, trap them, and destroy them with the weapons of the old people. These he will drive with oil from Sitgo. The oil in the tankers we saw, Susan. Where will it be refined so Farson can use it? Some place west of here along his route. We think very likely the Vicastis. <laughs> Do you know it? It's mining country. I've heard of it, but I've never actually been out of Ambrose in my life. She looked lovely at Roland. I think that's to change soon. There's a good deal of machinery left over from the days of the old people in these mountains. Most is up in the draws and canyons, they say. Robots and killer lights. Razor beams, such are called, because they'll cut you clean in half if you run into them. The gods know what else. Some of it's undoubtedly just legend, but where there's smoke, there's often fire. In any case, it seems the most likely spot for refining. And then they take it on to where Farson's waiting, Cuthbert said. Not that that part matters to us. We've got all we can handle right here in Magus. I've been waiting in order to get it all, Roland said. Every bit of their damned plunder. In case you haven't noticed, our friend is just a wee nubbin ambitious, Cuthbert said and winked. Roland paid no no attention. If we can fire the oil, the rest will go up with it. And the oil is the most important thing anyway. I want to destroy it. 
Then I want to get the hell out of here. The four of us. They mean to move on reaping day, don't they? Susan asked. Oh yes, it seems so, Cuthbert said, then laughed. It was a rich, infectious sound, the laughter of a child. And as he did it, he rocked back and forth and held his stomach as a child would. Susan looked puzzled. What? What is it? I can't tell, he said, chortling. It's too rich for me. I'll laugh all the way through it, and Roland will be annoyed. You do it, Al. Tell Susan about our visit from Deputy Dave. He came out to see us at the barquet, Elaine said, smiling himself. Talked to us like an uncle. Told us Ambry folk don't care for outsiders at their fairs, and we best keep right to our place on the day of the full moon. That's insane, Susan spoke indignantly, as one and apt to one who as one is apt to when one hears one's hometown unjustly malign I can't word today. We welcome strangers to our fair, so we do and always have. We're not a bunch of, of savages. Soft, soft, Cuthbert said, giggling. We know that. But W. Dave don't, don't know we know, do he? He knows his wife makes the best white tea for miles around, and after that, Dave's pretty much at sea. Sheriff Herc knows a little more. I should judge, but not much. The pains they've taken to warn us off means two things, Roland said. The first is that they intend to move on reaping fair day, just as you said, Susan. The second is that they think they can steal Farson's goods right out from under our noses. And then perhaps blame us for it afterward, Elaine said. She looked curiously from one to the other, then said, What have, we, what have you planned, then? To destroy what they've left at Sitgo as bait of our own, and then strike them while they gather. That's hanging rock. At least half the tinkers they mean to take west are there already. They'll have a force of men, as many as two hundred perhaps, although I think we'll turn out to be less. I intend that all these men should die. If they don't, we will, Elaine said. How can the four of us kill two hundred soldiers? We can't, but if we can start one or two of the clustered tankers burning, we think there'll be an explosion, mayhap a fearful one. The surviving soldiers will be terrified, and the surviving leaders infuriated. They'll see us, because we'll let ourselves be seen. Elaine and Cuthbert were watching him breathlessly. The rest they had either been told or had guessed, but this part was the counsel Roland had, until now, kept to himself. What then? she asked, frightened. What then? I think we can lead them into Eyebolt Canyon, Roland said. I think we can lead them into the city. That's the plan. Thunderstruck silence greeted this. Uh, then not without respect, Susan said, You're mad. No, Cuthbert said thoughtfully. He's not. You're thinking about that little cut in the canyon wall, aren't you, Roland? The one just before the jog in the canyon floor. Roland nodded. Four could scramble up that way without so much trouble. At the top will pile a fair amount of rock, enough to start a landslide down on any that should try to follow us. That's horrible, Susan said. It's survival, Alan said. If they're allowed to have the oil and put, a, put it to use, they'll slaughter every affiliation man that gets range of their weapons. The good man takes no prisoners. I didn't say wrong. Only horrible. Which is true. I mean... I, I get what you're doing. I understand it. I get it. I'm down with it. It's still terrible to work all these people. Hmm. They were silent for a moment, four children contemplating the murder of two hundred men, except they wouldn't all be men. Many, perhaps even most, would be boys roughly their own ages. Then we have the last little bit. I'll drive them the rest of the way in, Roland agreed, into the thinny. How will you set the brush pile alight? Susan asked. I know it's dry, but surely you won't have time to use a sulfur match or your flint and steel. You can help us there, Roland said, just as you can help us set the tankers alight. We can't count on torching off the oil with just our guns, you know. Crude oil is a lot less volatile than people might think, and Shimmy's going to help you, I hope. Tell me what you want. I don't remember how they set these things afire. I don't know, like, I I don't know if maybe it's like a lighted arrow kind of thing, or a... Well, I, I can't remember what Susan or Shimi could help 
that would make this work. I have no idea, but as I said. So I don't remember. We'll get there, I'm sure. (laughs) It either has to be a trail kind of thing, like a trail and then you light the trail on fire. That I could see Shimi doing, maybe. But actually setting it from afar, that would have to be like a lighted arrow situation. (laughs) A lighted arrow. So, um, it says, They talked another 20 minutes, refining the plan surprisingly little. All of them seemed to understand that if they planned too much and things changed suddenly, they might freeze. Ka had swept them into this. It was perhaps best that they count on Ka, and their own courage, to sweep them back out again. Cuthbert was reluctant to involve Shimi, but finally went along. The boy's part would be minimal, if not exactly low risk, and Roland agreed that they could take him with them when they left Magis for good. A party of five was as fine as a party of four, he said. All right, Cuthbert said at last, then turned to Susan. It ought to be you or me who talks to him. I will. Make sure he understands not to tell Coral Thorin so much as a word. Cuthbert said, it isn't that the mayor's her brother. I just don't trust that hag. I can give you a better reason than Hart not to trust her, Susan said. My aunt says she's taken up with Eldred Jonas. Poor Aunt Cord. She's had the worst summer of her life. Nor will the fall be much better, I wot. Folk will call her the aunt of a traitor. Some will know better, Elaine said. Some always do. Mayhap, but my aunt Cordelia is the sort of woman who never hears good gossip. No more does she speak it. She fancied Jonas herself, he kin. Cuthbert was thunderstruck. Fancied Jonas? By all the fiddling gods, can you imagine it? Why, if they hung folk for bad taste and love, your auntie would go early, wouldn't she? Susan giggled, hugged her knees, and nodded. It's time we left. Except maybe not. Alan's (laughs) quiet voice stopped him. There's another matter. Very important. Roland sank back down on his hunkers, looking at Alan uh, Elaine curiously. The witch. Susan started, but Roland only barked an impatient laugh. She doesn't figure into our business, Al. Our business? Al, I can't see how she could. I don't believe she's a part of Jonas's conspiracy. Neither do I, Elaine said. And Cuthbert and I persuaded her to keep her mouth shut about Susan and me. And if we hadn't, her aunt would have raised the roof by now. I don't know how much y'all convinced <laughs> her of anything, truthfully. I think you just really pissed her off. Look, not that they know this, but look how long it took her to actually re- remember that Susan even existed. Well, they don't know for a that. But, but, still. No, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, between her saying, I have this plot on the girl, to, oh, that's right. Susan Maybe exists. I should execute that plot? Yes. And then actually doing that. And then... No, she's not moving quickly, but... Still, y'all didn't persuade Jack Squat. You just pissed her off, really. Uh, but don't you see, Elaine asked, who Rhea might have told isn't really the question. The question is how she knew in the first place. It's pink, Susan said abruptly. Her hand was on her hair, fingers touching places where she'd cut her hair. What's <laughs> you know what? It's, things have to get right into pants sometimes. Okay, no. I'm just saying. Uh, what's pink? Elaine asked. The moon, she said, and then shook her head. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Brainless of the pinch and jilly. I am Roland. I am. I don't know what I'm talking about. Blah, blah, blah. I am. Roland, what's wrong? What ails thee? Okay. For Roland was no longer hunkering. He had collapsed into a loose sitting position on the petal strewn stone floor. He looked like a young man trying not to faint. Outside in the mausoleum, there was a bony rattle of fall leaves and the cry of a nightjar. Dear gods, he said in a low voice, it can't be. It can't be true. His eyes met Cuthbert's. All the humor had washed out of the latter young man's face, leaving a ruthless and calculating bedrock in his own mother might not have recognized, or might not have wanted to. Pink, Cuthbert said. Isn't that interesting? The same word your father happened to mention just before we left, Roland, wasn't it? He warned us about the pink one. We thought it was a joke. Almost. Oh. Elaine's eyes flew flew wide open. Oh, fuck, he blurted. He realized what he had said while sitting leg to leg with his best friend's lover and clapped his hand over his mouth. His cheeks flamed red. 
Susan barely noticed. What? she asked. What is it ye know? Tell me. Tell me. I'd like to hypnotize you again. I want to do it right now before we talk of this more and drag mud across what you remember. Roland had reached into his pocket while she was speaking. Now he took out a shell and be began to dance across the back of his hand once more. Her eyes went to it at once, like steel drawn to a magnet. May I? he asked. By your leave, dear. Aye, as ye will. Her eyes were widening and growing glassy. I don't know why you think this time should be any different, but... She stopped talking, her eyes continuing to follow the dance of the shell. When he stopped moving it, and clasped in his fist, her eyes closed. God, she went like a stone, Cuthbert whispered. She's been hypnotized before, by Rhea, I think. Susan, do you hear me? I, Roland, I hear you well. I want you to hear another voice, too. Whose? Roland beckoned to Elaine. Mine, Susan, Elaine said. Do you know it? I, you're Elaine, Richard Stockworth, that was. That's right. He looked at Roland with nervous, questioning eyes. What shall I ask her? Susan, by the stream, or it says, but for a moment Roland didn't reply. He was in two other places, both at the same time, and hearing two different voices. Susan, by the stream in the willow grove, she says, I, lovely, just so it's a good girl you are. Then everything's pink. His father in the yard behind the great hall. It's the grapefruit, by which I mean it's the pink one. The pink one. And now we go back a little. Yes, we now get to see at least the last moments between him and his father before leaving. Uh, which is them on their horses. Yeah. So it was that only <clears throat> so it was that only Roland's father spoke to them as they mounted up to begin their ride east to Magus and the outer ark. One last thing, he said, as they adjusted their saddle girth. I doubt you'll see anything that touches on our interest. Not in Magus. But I have to keep an eye out for the color of the rainbow. I'd have you keep an eye out for the color of the rainbow. The wizard's rainbow, that is. He chuckled and added it's the grapefruit, by which I mean. It's the pink one. Wizard's rainbow is just a fairy tale, Cuthbert said, smiling in response to Stephen's smile. Then perhaps it was something in Stephen Deschain's eyes. Cuthbert's smile faltered. Isn't it? Not all the old stories are true, but I think that of the Mer I love how they say, they don't say Merlins. Yeah, they the spell Merlins. it. They spell it. I, I don't know if... I don't know if it's actually spoken differently or if it's just spelled differently. Because I've seen Merlin spelled really weird ways, too. I would say Merlin at this point. I don't know. Personally, I don't know. Because uh. it's like, thinking of wizards, like all traditional wizards, it would be like Merlin's rainbow. That just sounds right. I agree, I but I, I don't know. Merlin's rainbow is, Stephen replied, it's said that once there was 13 glass balls in it for every, no, uh, one for each of the 12 guardians and one representing nexus point of the beam, one for the dark tower, or one for the tower, but still. Roland said in a low voice, feeling goose flesh, one for the dark tower. Oh, I thought it was the dragon balls. Well, I mean, there's, there's not, there's not 13. <laughs> I know, but still. Okay, there's only five. Still. They're on their way. Okay, they're on their way. I think there's more than five or seven. I don't know. I don't, I I, that would be your thing, I not mine. Well. It's been a while. That'd uh, be all I, of you. <laughs> I, 13 was called when I was a boy. I, 13 it was called when I was a boy. We tell stories about the black ball around the fire sometimes and scare ourselves silly. Unless our fathers caught us at it, my own does said... It wasn't wise to talk about 13, for it might hear its name called and roll your way. But Black 13 doesn't matter to to you three. Not now, at least. No, it's the pink one. Marilyn's grapefruit. I wonder why he's so convinced that maybe, maybe the pink one's that, in that direction. I mean, he, he explains himself, but still doesn't. Why could it possibly not be any of the other ones? I mean, he, he explains himself, but it's like, why are you... It's some. It's an odd thing to bring up to them. 
I think it's because, well, I mean, obviously we're about ready to get to it, but he literally breaks down where the other ones are. Where they think the other ones are. So it's like, I think it kind of But why would this one be so wildly different than where they think Farson is? Unless each of them has a specific set of skills, or set of skills, I'm sorry, (laughs) Liam Neeson. (laughs) (laughs) I will find you. (laughs) Okay. But maybe this one has that certain character that says it can show you where people are at. This particular one shows you what people are doing and you can spy on people and that... Well, he says that they all have some of these type of abilities. And it's just weird that he's very, very convinced that just maybe they might run across it. Very convinced. Uh, Where was I? I don't even know. Um, it was impossible to tell how serious he was. Or if he was serious at all. <laughs> if the other balls in the wizard's rainbow did exist, most are broken now. Such things never stay in one place or one pair of hands for long. You know? And even exchanging... You know, even enchanted glass has a way of breaking. Yet, at least three or four bends of the rainbow may still be rolling around. This sad world of ours. The blue, almost certainly. So yeah, what, did we ever get anything? No, no. The thing, anything? We only ever see two of the remaining, what do they say, four that might yeah. be lying around. I just want to know, like... They're very interesting. He's, he's very certain about the blue one, and I want to know why. But. Yeah, he, he, you know, he's... I guess because it's the most recently seen. Um. A desert tribe of slow mutants. The total hogs, they call themselves had that one less than 50 years ago. So they're convinced that it, it's around because mm-hmm. people that he knows people who've seen it or yeah. whatever. Although it's slipped from sight again since. The green and the orange are reputed to be in Lud and Dis. Lud. Hmm. Good old <laughs> Lud. Respectively. And just maybe the pink one. See, they mentioned four. So therefore we know five. Might be around. They mentioned the blue, the green, the orange, and the pink. Yes. And then we know there's one more. Yeah. But I mean, see, I guess the the way he's so certain that it has to be that one is because he just counted them out. Is the blue one, they know where that kind of is. The orange and the green one are in these two towns last. So we assume that the last one is with. But how do they even know the pink one exists? How do it's not broken? Maybe someone's seen it. I don't know. What do you, what do you want from me? I was saying it's interesting that there is just how convinced he is. What exactly do they do, Roland asked? What are they good for? For seeing. Some colors of the wizard's rainbow are reputed to look into the future. Others look into other worlds. Those were the demons. Those where the demons live. Those where the old people are supposed to have gone when they left our world. That into itself is a very interesting statement. Uh, these may also show the location of secret doors which pass between the worlds. Other colors, they say, can look far into our own world and see things people would as soon keep secret. They never see the good, only the ill. How much of this is true and how much is myth, no one knows for sure. He looked at them, but his smile faded. But this we do know. John Farson is said to have a talisman, something that glows in his tent late at night, sometimes before battles, sometimes before large movements of troops and horse, sometimes before mo- uh, mom unit, whatever, decisions, I know the word, but I can't say it, decisions are announced, <laughs> and it glows pink. Well, there it is right there. Well, they know Parson, Parson, Farson may have the pink one, but still, why would it be in Magus? Oh, I don't know. Why is he convinced oh, Magus? It's because... He says he has to get rid of it. Yeah. That doesn't say he has to get rid of it as literally as far away as humanly possible in this sleepy little town of Magus that means nothing. But they, as far as they know, means nothing. I don't know. Well, it's it's just interesting. Yeah. It seems weird for, him, for all things for him to tell them about before departing. The wizard's rainbow is the thing he decides to talk about. Well, I guess also... The way he talks to them about it, though, is, hey, you're kind of getting into this, but we are technically kind of just pushing you out of the way for now. 
So, I mean, you may run into this ha-ha-ha joke-joke, wink-wink, but I think if they were, like, 100% like, oh, we know he's hiding it there, he, Steven would have been a bit more serious about it. I know, but it's still weird to bring it up. This is something you just don't bring up for casual conversation. By the way, there might be a magical pink ball that sees things. Be on the lookout. We're in a strange world, okay? Uh, it's just we odd. We are in a strange it's odd. world. I like it because I like all this information, but it's just odd. says, um, all I can say of my own knowledge is that he keeps beating us. He keeps slipping away from us, and he keeps turning up where he's least expected. If the magic is in him and not in some talisman he owns, God's help the affiliation. We'll See, keep... I think I know why all, why all these reasons why he keeps beating them. It has nothing to do with the glass ball. That helps, of course, but it, you can't hear anything through the ball. Yeah. So you can't hear what people are saying. So my opinion why they may know something because there's a traitor amongst them well not only that and a very well i think trusted advisor traitor amongst the affiliation to may who may give out information about what's going on really? I, don't, I don't know who you're talking about nah, there's not who knows but um the other thing is is my i guess maybe it's because raya already had the ball but my thing is, is like, if Farson had this, wouldn't he have already known about the boys, but I guess she didn't get it, or he, she had already taken it from him, or gotten it from him, oh, yeah. after the, the, the boys already. And they still had to ride across, whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. There's no way he would have known about the boys. Yeah. But it's like, as soon... This, this, the, the, the rainbows, the glass, it's just, it's weird. Okay, it's just weird. We'll keep an eye out if you like, Roland said, but Farson's in the north or west. We're going east, as if his father did not know this. If it's a bend or the rainbow, Stephen replied, it could be anywhere, east or south, as likely as west. He can't keep it with him all the time, you see, no matter how much it would ease his mind and heart to do so. No one can. Why not? Because they're alive and hungry, Stephen said. One begins using them. One ends being used by him. If Farson has a piece of the rainbow, he'll send it away and call... Are you okay back there? But he also... Okay, it says... He understands the risk of losing it, but he also understands the risk of keeping it too long. There was a question which the other two, constrained by politeness, couldn't ask. Roland could and did. You are serious about this, Dad. It's not just a leg pull, is it? I'm sending you away at an age when many boys still don't sleep well if their mothers don't kiss them goodnight, Stephen said. I expect to see all three of you again, alive and well. Magis is a lovely, quiet place, or was when I was a boy, but I can't be sure of it. As things are these days, no one can be sure of anything. I wouldn't send you away with a joke and a laugh. I'm surprised you'd think it. Cry your pardon, Roland said. An uneasy peace had descended between them, him and his father, and he would not rupture it. Still, he was wild to be off. Rusher jigged beneath him as if seconding that. I don't expect you to see Merlin's glass, but I didn't expect to be seeing you off at fourteen with revolvers tucked in your bedrolls either. Ka's at work here, and where Ka works, anything is possible. See, what I would have liked, instead of him telling them the strange story as they're about the part had we gone back maybe a little further in time and maybe court as a lesson or them learning about the wizard's rainbow and saying they could be anywhere. Yeah. Then that would make sense of them having knowledge of these things and growing upon them versus his dad giving this weird, strange, in my opinion, out of nowhere little information before they leave. Well, from when... Conveniently gives it to them right before they leave to come in contact with said thing. Well, we already know they knew about them, though. Yes, but they I would, just didn't know like extremely I, a lot about them. But again, they I would prefer to have gone tale. back and had more of a serious lesson, and maybe of Cusper or even the dad teaching them something. It's just like the, something to uh, me that makes more with sense. The guardians, no one knowing that the guardians were an actual living, breathing thing until one of them was trying to eat wrong. <laughs> yeah, but still, again, I would have preferred one of these stories, yes. one of these things, something from the recollect about how. 
a good reason why they would have learned these things. Yeah. Versus, to me, this strange send-off story that he gives them right before they actually do run into the exact thing. It's convenient. Yes. It's it's weird exposition inconvenience just, just so we have that information. Go, Steven. So, so just not my favorite way of getting that. Um, Roland looked up and saw something that made him forget all about the wizard's rainbow. It was his mother leaning out of her apartment's bedroom window, the oval of her face surrounded by the timeless gray stone of the castle's west wing. There were tears coursing down her cheeks, but she smiled and lifted one hand in a wide wave. Of the three of them, only Roland saw her, and he didn't wave back. So that's what we were talking about earlier with trying to figure out if picture. this picture, this abstract picture, was supposed to be... Roland's mom or the girl at the window, which is Susan. It could be either. Yes. I mean, with the brown hair, it seems more likely it's a mother. Yes. But still, they should have done what the chapter, it, we already had something called the girl at the window, which yes. was referring to Susan. So it's, it's just weird. Or it's just literally something that kind of represents both. We have two different instances of the same thing. Because when you think about it, Susan is supposed to what have the gold, yeah, the she has shiny hair. gold hair. And I just think they should have added more tears if it was the mom. Just like coarse, There's a lot they should do. Tears were coursing down her face. And here they're in the middle of the desert seeing this. And, th- and one instance they're in town and the other instance they're in the castle. Or by the castle. So, yeah, whatever. And then, of course, this entire, that entire section takes place while Susan is, of course, still in hip... Being no, look at all this yes. while they're trying to talk to him to figure out about hypnotizing Susan. So, Roland, she's already hypnotized. Roland was about to tell Elaine what he needed to ask her, but he drifted off into to this, this... story. This story. Or and this then memory for him. Finally, someone's just like, wha-bam! <laughs> Wake up before we're stuck here all night, pretty much. Like you said, Roland... An elbow struck him in the ribs, hard enough to dispel those memories, brilliant as they were, and return him to the present. It was Cuthbert. Do something if you mean to do it. Get us out of this dead house before I shiver the skin right off my bones. Uh, Roland put his mouth by Elaine's ear. Be ready to help me, Elaine. Nodded. Hmm. Roland turned to Susan. After the first time we met together... Annette and Tet, you went to the stream in the grove. I, you cut your hair. I, the same dreamy voice. So I did. Would you have cut it all? I, every lick and lock. Do you know who told you to cut it? A long pause. Owen's about to turn to Elaine when she said, Rhea, another pause. She wanted to fiddle me up. Oi. Yeah, yeah, the witch did. The, the witch really did. Yes, but what happened later? What happened while you stood in the doorway? Oh, and something else happened before. What? I fetched her wood, she said. She said no more. Roland looked at Cuthbert, who shrugged. Elaine spread his hands. Roland thought of asking the boy to stop stepped forward and judged his, judged it still wasn't quite time. Never mind the wood for now. Actually! <laughs> the whole point. Get her to talk about that. He said. Or all that came before. We'll talk about that later, mayhap. But not just yet. What happened as you, as you were leaving? What did she say to you about your hair? And we don't get anything very important. Pretty much that at first, she still keeps saying, I can't remember, it's pink. So Elaine steps in and uses kind of his touch gift, his mm-hmm. push gift, to break her through that. And it says, uh, we finally pretty much get that, uh, be there again. I, a dreaming voice, faint but clear, even with my eyes closed, I can see the moon's light. Tis as big as a grapefruit. It's the grapefruit, Roland thought, by which I mean it's the pink one. And what do you hear? What does she say? No, I say. First I say, Elaine, I say. And is our business done? And she says, mayhap there's one more little thing. And then, and then, 
she has a little silver medal, so I assume it means that she hypnotized her as well using a same technique as Roland does. Mm-hmm. Says, um, she, she says I should listen. I say I will listen. She says I should obey. I say I will obey. She says, I lovely, just so. It's a good girl you are. She's stroking my hair all the time, my braid. And then she says there's something I'm to do when my virginity's over. Wait, she says, until he's asleep beside ye, then cut your hair off your head, every strand right down to your very skull. The boys looked at her in the mounting horror as her voice became Rhea's, the growling, whining cadences of the old woman of the coos. Even the face, except for the coldly dreaming eyes, had become a hag's face. Cut it all, girl, every whore strand of it, I, and go back to him as bald as ye came from your mother. See how he likes you then. She fell silent. Elaine turned his turned his pallid face to Roland. Why is the moon pink? Roland asked. Why is the moon pink when you try to remember? It's her glam. She keeps it under her bed, so she does. She doesn't know I saw it. Are you sure? I. She would have killed me if she knew. Rhea has the moon in a box under the bed. She lilted this in a sing-song voice. A pink moon, Roland said. I. Under her bed. I. I should like to have it, Roland, so I should. Lovely moon. I saw it when she sent me for the wood through her window. She looked young. Then once again, I should like to have such a thing. No, you wouldn't. But it's under the bed. I. In a magic place she makes with passes. She has a piece of Marilyn's rainbow, Cuthbert said in a wondering voice. The old hag's has what your dad told us about. No wonder she knows all she does. Is there more we need? Elaine asked. Her hands have gotten very cold. I don't like having her this deep. She's done well, but I think we're done. Shall I tell her to forget? Roland shook his head at once. They were cotet, for good or ill. He took hold of her fingers, and yes, they were cold. Susan, I, dear, I'm going to say a rhyme. When I finish, you'll remember everything as you did before. All right? Bird and bear and hare and fish, smiling Roland finished. Give my love her fondest wish. And then there's a nice little romantic hug between the two of them, making his friends awkward. As they rode back towards seafront, Susan, with her arms round Roland's waist, she asked, Will you take the glass from her? Best leave it where it is for now. It was left in her safekeeping by Jonas on behalf of Farson. I have no doubt it's to be sent west with the rest of the plunder. I've no doubt of that either. We'll deal with it when we deal with the tankers and Farson's men. Ye take it with us? Take it or break it, I suppose. I'd rather take it back to my father, but that has its own risks. We'll have to be careful. It's a powerful glam. Suppose she sees our plans. Suppose she warns Jonas or Kimba Reimer. If she doesn't see us coming to take away her precious toy, I don't think she'll mind our plans one way or the other. I think we've put a scare into her, and if the ball has really gotten a hold on her, watching and it's what she'll mostly want to do with her time now. And hold on to it. She'll want to do that too. Aye. I don't think he'll put a scare into her. No. Really, just throwing it out there. Yes, she does want to look into the ball, but I don't think she really cares about y'all. So he brings her back to Thorin's house so that she can sneak back up into the tower or wherever she was staying. The only thing important is the end, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You must save all your best kisses for me. I will. Whatever comes, we'll be together, he said. But above them, Demon Moon grinned into a starry dark above the clean sea as if he knew a different future. Sadly, we all know the future, so... Yeah, well, most of us anyway, for sure. So, next will be chapter six. Six. Closing the year. Closing the year. Okay, right there. So, 45 to 69. So, 24 pages. About the same length as what was. Okay. We got a nice, lovely picture coming up. We'll be going to Taking the Ball. 
Anyone? So, any, it is. Any scene we know that looks like that? <laughs> Not that I can remember. Well, the good news is it hasn't passed yet, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty, what was the end? Chapter five. Next week we'll be going to chapter six. Yeah, we're almost holy cow. We're not. We're over halfway through. Oh no no no! We're we're, we're getting there. We are getting there. We are solid two thirds uh, of the book, and not then, more. And then that I don't have. Wait, Wolves of Call is next, isn't it? Yeah. I have to go. Well, actually, I think we're supposed to be reading the other one next. Oh yeah, that's right. Which I don't have. Because okay. I don't have Wolves of Call. And I don't have. The wind through yeah, the keyhole. So. Um, it doesn't really, if I remember right, it doesn't really have chapters. That's the only bad thing about it. Well, we'll have to figure something like, out. Like, it's split into three, if you would call it, Inception stories. <laughs> so it's Roland telling Eddie and them about a story that happened to him when he was younger and in that story the younger roland is telling a little boy a story that his mother would tell him like a fairy tale and so we get three layers of the story and then you come back we'll figure it out <laughs> in the end we, well, well we will figure it out it's, it'll it's, be all right uh, 386 pages yeah but those are tiny pages <laughs> I mean, those are yes, tiny. Yes, mine, yes, this book is really small. I mean, let me put it this way. This print is smaller than that print, and that book is a lot smaller than this book. Yes. So, I'm just saying, translate that to this, it would it'd probably be like 200 pages. I don't know why I really like this one. I think it's just because we get more information on his mom, and I just... Like the stories that are pulled in. So. so we'll get to it. I mean, we still we we've got another probably three months. What's <laughs> this? So it, it's gonna be a minute. It's still gonna be a minute. It feels like it's going by really fast, though. Hey, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're starting to get a lot of good information. Things are very quickly progressing. We're almost done with this story, and then we'll get back into what's Yay. going on with Roland, Eddie, and Susan. I Miss mean, Susanna. I miss. I miss my I miss my gang. I need yeah, my yeah. cotet back. It's great seeing them. I need my cotet back. We'll get back to them. But as always, you can reach me at Stars Untraveled, Richard Man at KZ Pup, Richard Show at Beyond Our Focus, anywhere including YouTube and podcast services around the globe. Maybe. Maybe. I think so. In the glass. In the wizard's rainbow. If it only existed. Oh wait, never mind. They don't have audio. My bad. No, it doesn't have audio. But, anyways, anything else? I think we are good. I well, hope you liked it. Throw a like, subscribe, comment down below. But, till next time, long days and pleasant nights.